This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hey, everybody. It's Lon Seidman. We are back with our podcast. This is episode number two, and I am joined by somebody who I've been talking to off and on over the last couple of weeks, and that is uh, Douglas Black, who's dialing in all the way from Hong Kong across the world. Uh, so I am just starting my day here in the U.S. Douglas is ending his day. And Doug is with uh, NotebookCheck.net and Ultrabook. Is it Ultrabook.com? Ultrabookreview.com, right? Ultrabookreview.com. And these are websites that are focused on portable computing. And uh, Notebook Check in particular has some incredibly detailed reviews of every laptop you can think of out there. And Ultrabook Review is a a newer effort that Doug has begun. And uh, we should know something about Doug before we start here is that he speaks five languages. Uh, So one of the good things about the fact that he speaks (laughs) poorly, but he speaks them better than most of us do. So that's uh, that's something. So I'm going to read off the list here. Uh, English. Chinese, both Mandarin and Cantonese, Korean and Thai. Uh, So it's good that he knows those languages being in Hong Kong. And uh, like many of us uh, doing independent media work, this is not your only gig, right? So what else do you do out there? Yeah, absolutely not, right? Um, Doesn't doesn't pay the bills. Uh, The opposite, in fact. So full-time, I'm a a lecturer kind of in technical writing um, at the Hong Kong University of Science and Technology, HKUST. Um, And uh, at the moment, I teach... Uh, yeah, kind of technical writing, scientific writing, research writing, uh, chemistry lab reports. Um, previously, uh, for uh, City University of Hong Kong, I taught film literature. I'm a big fan of film. Um, and yeah, I've been teaching for about 11 years. Um, and I'm also a DJ. Um, so that's kind of my, my newest hustle is my newest hustle. So I don't have much free time. I don't sound hands. like it. And, and it's like, <laughs> and I... And I and I know what it feels like to not get a lot of sleep, but you really want to keep, uh, you know, that passion burns to, to get the work done. So tell me a little bit about the sites. I don't, I don't think you've started either one of them, but you've been involved with them and doing a lot of work for them. So uh, why don't we start with Notebook Check, and then we'll talk about Ultrabook Review, about uh, what the sites do and how they differ from each other. Okay, sure. So let's start with um, Notebook Check. I think, um, you know, we're kind of like a, an institution in terms of uh, – Notebook reviews. I'm pretty happy to see, like on on you know the subreddits of the manufacturers, you know um, sites like Laptop Mag might be first, but people are really waiting for our reviews. Um, and I think you know the reason for that is that um, I would say that we are kind of Notebook Check is the most you know um, detailed and objective of the review sites. And I think that that really differentiates us. There, there are some other um, decent sites these days, um, but um, I think uh, like the, the way that we have uh, the charts that, um, uh, you know, like the comparative elements where you can add in whatever laptop you want. Um, so you can see, you know, how the sizes, emissions, benchmarks, almost anything compares is really helpful. And, uh, you know, if there's like a small detail that you're looking for about a laptop, chances are we've measured it and it's there. Whereas if you look for like another uh, site's review, you know, there's a good chance that they 
haven't covered it, right? So if you want to know the approximate, you know, luminosity of the, you know, the upper left quadrant of the screen, right. <laughs> you know, la la Laptop Mag will be like, the screen was bright. Iron Man's trailer looked great. Right, uh, and then that's, that's exactly you, the approach. That's the exactly the approach I take with it. But highly technical viewers want the details, and this must take forever. How long does it take to review a laptop? If some, I mean, this is every laptop you yeah. look at, and we have right now up on the right. screen. It was funny you mentioned that because I just happened to be scrolling by that section about the distributed luminosity of the of the display. You have a close up shot of the sub pixel matrix, and you do this on every laptop i mean what what is this OCD people need to know we need yeah. to know exactly you know if there's a small for me anyway on my own personal laptops when i when i buy them for like ultra review um you know if the screen is like darker on the bottom i'm sending it back or i'm calling up the guys to get it repaired so i'm sure they all hate me because um, <laughs> i am very particular Right. Um, you you got to be. But, and, and you know what to look for. So, I mean, at this point, you're probably at a point where you can just your gut tells you when something isn't right. Right. Before you even dive into the details. Right. Yeah. I mean, um, if basically right. If, if you're doing like a 24 hour after you open the box review, that's not a real review, period. So how much time um, we spend at Notebook Check doing the reviews, well, I don't know, it might surprise um, at least the other websites, because all right, I'll just say that if if a YouTube channel or website is putting up a laptop review, you know, within 24 hours or even like a phone, honestly, 24, 48 hours, that's not it's not a review. You cannot test the stuff. Um, so basically, the process is all right. Um, with Notebook Check, the the laptops tend to be sent to somebody who specializes in measurement first. Um, however, in some cases, both the first, the measurer of the technical details and the benchmarker and, you know, like textual reviewer can be the same person. Um, in this case, that's frequently Alan Nong, who's uh, the U.S. lead editor. So, but, so what Alan does <clears throat> is he's kind of the contact point um, for getting in laptops and he measures them with all of the special instruments that allow you to see things like the subpixel array, um, the actual power draw, you know, um, rather than estimated, um, you know, the FLIR thermals, um, brightness, uh, you know, and then, you know, display calibration, all that kind of stuff. So now that um, I would say, because I'm not him, um, I cannot be exactly sure of how long it takes um, but generally I would say between, you know, 20, you know, 20 to 30 hours, depending on, on his wow. workflow. And that's so per, now that's per review too, we're talking about here, not just, yes. and I guess maybe he's probably got some efficiencies where he does a couple at the same time for each test or whatever, but still it's a lot of, sure. a lot of time in the aggregate. Now, now for me in terms of writing it, um, because, um, yeah, so, so putting, let's see, putting everything into the, into our system or into our database is one thing. Um, recording it, as, as you know, I'm sure, you know, like doing benchmarks, it's not that easy. You know, you know like 10 years ago, all you had to do was run Firestrike or whatever, um, but not anymore, right? So now there's a whole suite of different tests, and we've got to standardize them and, and run, um, you know, nearly overall, like including the technical stuff, like, um, power consumption and battery life. We're looking at you know over over a hundred data points for sure. Um, maybe you know almost two hundred data points. Yeah, um, and that takes you know my first review took um, probably like uh, 
30, 40 hours, wow. solid work. Yeah. And right. I'll, I'll tell you that the, yeah, well, we're not getting rich doing them. <laughs> that's for sure. You and, do it because you love it. Right? <laughs> absolutely. Um, you really, you, you've got to kind of be like an obsessive tech head. Um, yeah. Don't do it to get rich. And, and how did, how did you get into this? Did you just write to them and say, Hey, I want to test <laughs> laptops or did you get to know them somehow? Um, yeah, so I mean, uh, my father is a professor of computer science, and I um, and I kind of grew up, um, you know, playing on computers. My first computer, I'm sure we'll talk about this later, but what it was a, um, I think a Mac Plus with the Mac SE like internal upgrade. Okay, yep. Um, if you're familiar with that with that one, yep. and um, I mean, ever since then, I was just kind of, you know, I I loved, uh, you know, computers and just kind of geeking out about them, optimizing them. Uh, you know, and I just kept doing that as I did other jobs. And then, um, while I was, uh, working in, uh, in Thailand, I was a bit more free in Bangkok. I just, just thinking, well, I've got this free time. Um, and I make this, you know, this is kind of my hobby. Why don't I, um, turn kind of my, my two things, writing and tech. Um, why don't I do something with them? And so I started editing for Ultrabook Review and then writing, um, you know, reviews of, of products. My first thing that I reviewed for Andre at Ultrabook Review was a Surface 3. Um, and, uh, and then after, you know, after doing that for about a year, then I, um, I saw a job posting uh, for a notebook check and I sent them, you know, an email and uh, they let me know that they're kind of full up, but they'll keep in touch. And, you know, I just kept in touch with them. And then eventually I uh, made my way into being a news editor. Um, did news for quite a while. Um, you know, the, the news grind of uh, two to three articles a day, five to seven days a week, um, just to kind of, you know, fill up the free time. Um, but you learn a lot of stuff doing, doing news. And then I ended up, um, uh, reviewing actually one of, um, if you're familiar, 51 NB's kind of modded think pads, which was the X62 done by a guy in, uh, he wasn't Shenzhen. Uh, his name is uh, hope or Jackie. Um, but anyway, I basically said, I think this would be an awesome device to review. And so I got to review it and, uh, and I learned, and I learned that it's not as easy as you might look, uh, even if you think it doesn't look easy, it's, it's even harder than you might think. Right. Um, and, and whatever so, you yeah, miss, I mean, the viewers, the, the, right, the, the readers will tell you what you missed and <laughs> you feel like, absolutely. Oh, yes. Uh, you know, notebook check, notebook checks readers might be even more detail oriented than notebook check staff. If there's anything that the comment section has, uh, you know, told me, you know, and <laughs> as I'm yes, sure you're you aware, missed this, right? you know, <laughs> it's that you missed this. Yeah, right? I would, I wouldn't say I'm sure they're not approaching the level of YouTube comments, though. I would say that I think your YouTube comment section is pretty, pretty civilized. So I yes. think you have that to be proud of. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm, I, I have to say that I, I think one of the things that's been nice about uh, my experience on YouTube is that my commenters have been relatively civilized. I, I do a lot of garden tending, um, and I think that's been, you know, I think there's something else, not just tech sites deal with, but it is every news site is how do you deal with the, the, the stream of comments. And yeah, I'm okay with constructive criticism. I think it's it's people that are shouting profanity or, you know, making just trollish remarks that just you're out of here. And I think it, it's helped um, 
make things look better for uh, for the community because people know it's a safe place to communicate. I think also too, I'm older, and I think that that I attract an older audience that maybe is a little less apt to <laughs> shout a shoot a zinger there. But yeah, the comment sites can, comment comments can actually be very helpful because I think it helps direct people where they go. I mean, it certainly uh, informed my review process. I used to do, you know, my my reviews are a little uh, less. Uh, uh, qualitative or quantitative, if you will, uh, more more qualitative, perhaps. Where I, I've given me more of a general. Yeah, I still watch them all. I, and, I mean, oh, I, I love you. putting them on. You know, I, I get home from work and I kind of put them on, and uh, you know, not in a creepy "Lon's my only friend" way, but, okay. but uh, you know, <laughs> I, I love doing the weekly, you know, the weekly wrap up, you know, over dinner because you know I'm, I'm pretty busy and it's nice to just have stuff on um, to catch up, you know, on what's been going on while I unwind. And I've been, I've been, I consume as much as I create on YouTube and I, and I know people really like, I love that long form because I can take the dog out for a walk with it. I'm a YouTube red subscriber. So I know when I'm taking the dog out for a walk and listening to that long form show, I'm, I'm helping that creator just by walking my dog. It's a great, um, it's a great thing. Yeah. Now we got to know each other because we were talking about, um, uh, promotions, the Dyson. the Dyson vacuum cleaner. So just so everybody understands what happened here is um, uh, Douglas re- reached out to me when I covered the Dyson vacuum cleaner thing on, actually, no, I take that back. A viewer uh, wrote to me with your article where you, you had given me a shout out about uh, the disclaimers yeah. that I make. And everyone who watches this channel knows how I am very um, concerned about where this influencer marketing uh, industry is going, and people are not always being very clear about their disclosures. And you guys did a great article, which I'll link in the video description about this Dyson vacuum Thank cleaner you. thing. Um, because- Interesting fact about that article: um, I want to say that I was very, I was so passionate about getting that covered, and because of my position was at a, like the um, the editor and not the writer. And then I said, like, I will, I will pay a bonus out of my own pocket for whoever whoever writes. Um, uh, editorial about this subject, um, so <laughs> so we can put that up, and then yeah, and, and so then I kind of cultivated what we had, and, and I was quite happy. I, 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 that's one of my more proud moments because I felt very strongly. Well, it was um, a good piece about, of investigative. It was a very good piece of investigative journalism because you you went through and found all these things, and I'm sure you probably logged into YouTube that night, and everybody <laughs> was talking about this this Dyson vacuum cleaner. And that brings me to my next question: is about product acquisition and. Um, you know, one of the difficulties as a small YouTube channel that I am uh, is that, you know, you don't earn enough money to buy all this stuff. And what my strategy has been actually was funny because we had talked offline and you had a very good um, description of yourself, which is that you are a compulsive buyer of shiny, expensive things. And it seems and he says, it seems like you, me, uh, are a compulsive buyer of the opposite. And that's um, <laughs> and that's been what I've been doing is I found I could, you know, from an economical economic standpoint, I could afford to, to buy, you know, five two hundred dollar devices, get five pieces of content versus one twenty two hundred dollar laptop, for example, right. that might get me a little and bit of traffic. Guess which one, you know, more people are able to buy. Right? Exactly. Buying it. Oh, it's me. Right. <laughs> I'm exactly. the one who buys a twenty hundred dollar laptop. Right? And, and, you know, you've got, yeah. you know, uh, channels like Linus who does a great work and, and he's kind of a techno lust site because I think a lot of people who watch Linus can't afford half of what he reviews. But, um, but I, you know, I'm curious, how do you get all this stuff? Because, you know, these, these companies are, are really reluctant to, or they have very few loaner models available. It, you know, people have the impression that somehow, you know, even though that laptop from Dell costs $2,200, that it doesn't cost them anything, but there is a cost for them to even have these, right. these items available. So what's the <clears throat> process that Notebook Check and Ultrabook Review go through to acquire these things? But before we get to that, there's just something I noticed kind of joining back to the topic of comments is that when you look at a lot of stuff like Linus Tech Tips 
or you know hot hardware or whatever in the comment section you know the top one or two comments is almost always you know it's like we'll never be able to afford this in my life and that's what i think <laughs> you know like it's, it's really important to cover stuff that in all ranges um now all right what i'm about to say about like how we get this stuff it's it's true based on you know to to the extent that i'm aware okay. um, and <laughs> And that my my stance or what I say, try not uh, don't take it as gospel just in case I say something wrong and I don't want to get Klaus and Simon and Stefan in trouble at uh, notebook check. So we will we'll um, start with that disclaimer. <laughs> right. Um, so basically, with notebook check, um, it's you know it's actually a little bit. It seems like to me that it's harder to get review units now than it you know than it used to be. Now we get review units generally through our like PR contacts at each company. And we, we tend to have, you know, they're cultivated relationships with the company. And uh, generally on kind of a, a personal level um, somehow. And the same is actually true for Ultrabook Review, um, where in Andre's uh, um, situation, he's in Romania, you know, so he, he knows a lot of Romanian reps and he goes to those shows and yeah, he knows them on a more personal level. And so they're able to hand these things to, to him. Um, with us, you know, we have a good relationship with um, a number of OEMs and, you know, they will send us samples, um, you know, like um, Asus and MSI, Acer have been quite, you know, uh, wonderful about handing us um, some stuff. So we've gotten, you know, like some pretty early test systems about like, you know, um, the you know early rising U series, um, the, you know, initial uh, Zephyrus Max-Q, that kind of stuff. It's all from... Um, basically I, um, kind of our, our relation points, but you know, it, um, and I guess it's too, not like, a given. And we're not talking about, by the way, just getting free stuff here. I'm guessing that they want this stuff. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. All, right. All of this stuff goes back guys. Right. Um, exactly. Everyone, everyone realize. Like, oh, you, you get things for free. Like, no. And as you mentioned, rightfully, you know, it's like, this is a loaner review unit and it's going right back, you know, when I'm, when I'm done with it. Um, and so they do, Okay. Um, now, if if I buy something like for Ultra Book Review, I tend to buy the stuff myself because of my location. Um, I say I buy it myself, um, and that that will we'll kind of talk about that later, I guess, when we talk about how the two sites differ in their mm -hmm. kind of um, approach, yeah, the journalistic approach. And let's let's move into that actually, because I'm curious. Um, so Ultra Book Review, I'm okay. going to pull up the site right now. <laughs> um, it, it seems like it's more a narrative approach. Is that a fair? Yeah. Description. Yeah, and I don't think that it's an insult to say that it's somewhat more subjective because mm -hmm. uh, you know to, to, you I, I, you can't really you have to put some subjectivity into everything. Other right. you know like Jim Sterling, um, if you know the Jimquisition, did an excellent uh, kind of pistic of uh, true objective game journalism because he was criticized for being you know too subjective and you know he was limited to saying things like this is a video game, it has right. characters, <laughs> it's a story, right? Right. Um, so, but Ultimate Review is a bit more of um, a uh, some kind of, let's say, as Andre puts it, you're sitting at the bar with your friend and saying, you know, I need a new laptop. What should I get? And it's that kind of approach to the laptops that, um, so again, notebook check. I'm quite proud of, of our process and how thorough we are and the details that go in. Um, but there are certain things that, that can't be quantified by numbers and algorithms um, and something, you know, that, that I put into my reviews for Ultrabook Review, all my XPS reviews. If anyone has bought an XPS, 
they know how buggy these things are. They know that Dell releases BIOS updates that brick your machine, and the BIOS update is still live on the website two, three, you know, four, five, six, seven days later. Right. <laughs> um, and these, you know, the coil whine, the you know, audio crashing, the max audio on the XPS series, these are all established issues. Um, VRM throttling on the 9550 and the 9560 XPS 15s. I mean, I, I went really into depth in these kind of things, and I, you know, I ended up writing a, a popular article, you know, how to fix throttling on the XPS 15. Um, to the best of my ability, um, it, it, it helps. It doesn't exactly solve it, but it does help a lot. But basically, it's like, you know, I, I take points off in my review for stuff that's just, you know, been shipped broken. And mm. I ended up, you know, saying it's like, this is, you know, three points. This is like a great laptop. It's a wonderful piece of technology. I'm giving it a 3.5 star because it doesn't work properly right now. And I have to enumerate a whole list of, of issues. And, I, and then I'll say, you know, when I... Um, if they get fixed, I'll add a point back. So I ended up going back and adding on points to my original XPS review. And in the second XPS 15 review, again, I, I you know I acknowledge that. I think I think I said something like this. Um, what did I say? It was like the the launch of the. I'm sorry. Let, let me pull up the article because. Sure. Um, Okay, okay. Yeah, should I look for that on? Uh, we'll take a look on your site here too for those watching on video here. So so I should just type in X, XPS 15. Uh, yeah, look for, um, let's see, Ultrabook Review, XPS 159560 Review. And so my, okay. what, what, this is something that I could never in a million years write on notebook check. Okay. And it goes under uh, issues, right? So I've got a section for issues. Okay. I said, the launch of the 9560 has gone a bit better than the 9550. Of course, saying that is like saying losing one leg is better than losing both of your legs. It's technically <laughs> an improvement, but it's still a pretty shitty event. <laughs> and then I go on to enumerate the bugs that are still present in the 9560, like screen flicker and the FHD, mm -hmm. which had no fix. Um, the NVIDIA drivers BSODing, if you updated the audio jack not working with the Dell drivers, high battery wear of 10% or more out of the box, uh, you know, that kind of stuff. And, and I guess to some degree, you know, the buying experience is more than just the overall performance. And I guess to some degree, notebook sure, check is, is looking at the raw, experience. right, and the customer service experience. And, and notebook check is looking at the raw data and, and making some assessment and comparatives. But right. to get to Best that. Best case scenario, you could say, right? Right. And, and, and I you look know, here on. Right. And, and I'm looking here on, on, you know, this review of the XPS 15, where you lead off with the good and the bad. And there's a narrative approach here. So you're giving people more right. advice than than just the, the raw numbers. And and I'm guessing there's a there's a hand in hand cooperation here between Notebook Check and uh, Ultrabook Review, because I'm seeing a lot some of the same data popping up here, like the distribution of screen brightness and uh, and all of that stuff, too. Right. So you're working together on some of these. Uh, yeah, we, um, at, at Notebook Check, I know that we've, um, uh, well, yeah, we borrowed some of Andre's data when he gets devices that, that we can't get our hands on sometimes. I mean, yeah, like even we couldn't get like the, the Asus Nova Go, I think, right? Mm -hmm. Um, you're mentioning, you know, asking how we get stuff. So there's some stuff we can't get. Um, there's some, sometimes we just don't get information. We don't know why, you know, like the Surface Book 2 was a complete surprise to us. Other things, you know, we get NDAs, um. And uh, yeah, we just didn't get we didn't get that, uh, and so we borrowed Andre's information. We asked, ended up asking him. I asked him to run some more tests, um, and so I think I think we could call it, it's like a, a fair use agreement. <laughs> right, right. 
And you know, one of the things that I've I've discovered in this industry is that occasionally, you know, the 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 big the bigger brands, Apple is a great example of this, have often traded access for favorable coverage to some degree. Have you have you had significant pushback at times from manufacturers? You don't have to name any, but have you had significant pushback from manufacturers that you think might have harmed your access to, to products because you, you were critical of something? Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was I was going to say that um, back to kind of again um, getting a hold of, of uh, review units. I think that in the past um, you know, ultrabook review, um, you know, is a lot easier. So, I mean, for, for both of us, it's a lot easier to, to get review units. But now there are more and more websites based around basically content marketing. Mm-hmm. And if a website doesn't, I mean, who are you going to give your review unit to? You've got a limited number of review units. Are you going right. to give it to the guys who, you know, who break shit and, right. <laughs> and then complain when it's broken? Or are you going to give it to the nitpickers? Um, people with high expectations, or are you going to give it to the channel that does like an unboxing, you know, right. to their, you know, 400,000 or like 2 million, you know, subscriber base on YouTube. And wow, look at this. This is an amazing laptop. And here's the specs that have been given to me by the company in the reviewer's guide, right. uh, that kind of thing. Right. I mean, you, you know exactly what I mean. And so I'll just say that, um, yes, be, because of the way, um, we've covered things. We certainly um, don't have the access that I would like to have. You know, mm. I mean, there's a cutoff. You know, before the review, everything is great. After the review, suddenly stonewalled. Right. Um, so you can draw your own conclusions from that. <laughs> and not right. to name any names. Yeah, right. But it, it happens. And I think that's something that even even the big brands that do, you know, approach a lot of things ethically insofar as how they deal with influencers often, though, trade access for, you know, they, they'll they'll hold people back who, who did things they, they did not like very much. So um, it's only logical, though, right? I mean, mm-hmm. from from the perspective, right, you you can't really blame them if you're going to oh, give sure. something to unbox it. You know, if it's like giving something to unbox therapy. Right. Or, you know, like. Uh, you know, uh, 200,000 or 300,000, you know, uh, a critical um, YouTube channel, you know, like Demir Franck, for example, someone like that. It's like, you know, you're going to go for the exposure and, and, yeah. uh, and, and, the, and they have a limited number to give out, and that's what often happens with it. You know what surprised me is, is you know, I get a lot of loaner models in from Lenovo. In fact, they have more than I can handle um, available to me. Uh, it looks like they have a better, a better system of, of dealing with smaller channels and understanding the, the value of them um, versus other companies where it's just a constant you know, stream to the uh, PR people to say, hey, you got anything? I, I'll, I'll review anything, whatever you got. You know, send over a loaner or something. It's, it's, been, it's funny yeah. how different companies um, look at this space versus, versus others, but um, it's difficult. So let's move into the state of the industry and everything. And before we do, sure. I, I want to know what was your first laptop and what year was it? <clears throat> so I think the very first one would have to be um, the original – Duo, the power, I think it's called the PowerBook Duo. Yep, um, that was the one that had so the docking this is, station. And, uh, yeah. yeah, so it had a docking station, like a giant VHS tape, and it was motorized, and you, it was a very thin laptop, probably one of the original type ultra portables. Right. And this is back when the trend was, you kind of externalize, actually, wait, that's, that's happened again. Right. Uh, but yeah, you, you, you take stuff out, you take out the floppy drive, and you put it somewhere else, and... And so I had this special SCSI connector in the back, and you put it in, and it made this awesome mechanical, like, 
uh, sound as you eject, uh, sorry, as you in inserted it into the dock. And there is even, I believe, a, like a floating, a floating point, uh, an FPU. Mm -hmm. um, so it runs inside the dock. Wow. Yeah, yeah. and like yeah. I think I think like two to or four megabytes of, of uh, video memory or something like that. So it, it actually made it faster inside the dock. You had color, of course, the screen is black and white. Um, and then uh, I, so I kind of borrowed that. I mean, they were loaners from my dad more or less. Who was get, um, he was I'm getting all the cool stuff like, as, a, as an academic a computer scientist. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And the university um, probably had some access to these things, right? Yeah. And then the, the first one that I, I had myself was a uh, the Power Book 2400C, which if you're familiar with it, was a sub-notebook with a 240 megahertz, um, not a G3. There were upgrade cards available later, 20, 240 megahertz, and it, it had a tiny keyboard. And luckily, um, I think I was like 14 or 15 at the time, so my hands were not as they are now, even though right. I have Trump size, I have Trump sized hands, but, um, uh, but, but it was, you know, it was a sub notebook. And so I've always kind of had like a, a thing kind of since then for the, the ultra portable notebooks. My first PC was a compact Presario 2700 T. So that was the very first one I owned my first PC, um, notebook. So until then it was all max around 2001. Right. Yeah, I started on the Mac also. So it was funny. My 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 father had started a business, and we found this guy. I still I still keep in touch with him. And he was doing um, uh, he was building PCs. This was back in the early '90s, and we were getting you know really inexpensive PCs for the business from him. And uh, he would all he would always come across stuff because um, he was you know in touch with all the local resellers and everything. And uh, we ended up getting this like little uh, Packard Bell Ultra notebook. It was a Windows machine, black and white screen. And it was tiny. I mean, even by today's standards, I'm trying to remember what it was like. It was really tiny. And what really bummed me out about it was that uh, we had plugged it into charge one night and the battery melted down and like the whole computer just was toast just because it couldn't handle the heat. There was no way to get rid of the heat on this thing. It was poorly engineered, but it was a really cool little device. Uh, and then I ended up with a um, PowerBook 180C. Uh, which I got in 94, right before I headed off to college. And that had one of the first active matrix displays on it. It was, it was beautiful. Um, loved that laptop, but it, it fell apart. Trackpad, not a trackball, right? Had a track, it had a trackball. This was right before they switched over to that. Ah, okay. So we got it on sale, and I think it was because Apple at that, that point in the year was liquidating um, the older trackball-based ones. Because um, everybody else a few months later was showing up to school with the trackpad, and I had the trackball. But uh, that computer fell apart. That was when Apple really, you know, was going through its its machinations where they were just putting out garbage hardware, and it literally just fell apart on me, um, which was a bummer. Lewis Rossman nice would disagree. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Lewis Rossman would have. If anyone doesn't know Lewis Rossman, he is a. Um, actually, he's fun to watch. It's almost like it's another therapeutic site, right? Or, yeah, uh, YouTube very channel. Cathartic. Yeah. He um he fixes stuff you know, electronics in in on live streams and he's got very strong opinions about the state of the industry and the right to repair and whatnot and uh, very 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 good guy very opinionated but every every New Yorker uh, that I know uh, my parents are New Yorkers too have have opinions and um he's got a lot but um the uh, then I went up to uh, the PC world and I had a I got a Micron um, back in '98. Uh, which was like a 13.3-inch display. It had those removable components on it, so you could swap out the floppy drive and put a second battery in. Uh, so when I went to um, – had a, a trip to Asia we talked about before we started in 1999, and that thing lasted the whole flight because I had you know two batteries plugged in. It weighed a ton. But, um, but it's really been interesting to me as we move into this era – where you know these laptops were very commoditized ten years ago, they all felt the same. They were cheap plastic. Even the high end ones just just were 
just didn't have a good feel to them. Apple kind of dominated that metal industrial design um, quality for a long time. And then I think within the last five or six years, you can correct me if you think it's, it started earlier, things really changed in the, in the laptop world, didn't they? They've, they've suddenly started engineering things and focusing on industrial design and whatnot, right? Yeah, um, I think there's a few there's a few parts of that. Um, I guess you know one of them is obviously the the, the MacBook um, Air, which mm-hmm. you know although PC makers first you know made fun of it, you know um, with their marketing material, like look how limited this thing is. I mean, you can't you can't deny the direction that the industry took directly after that. Um, now, there, there was a comment somebody wrote on one of my editorials on Ultrabook Review. It was like, so I wrote why I'm not going to buy the XPS 15 Um And the comment on Reddit, I was basically like, welcome to 2018 where all laptops are shit. <laughs> um, and it, so my, my general feeling, I suppose, is that it's like there's always there's always a compromise, um, which which I think has, has always been the case. Maybe we're a little bit more demanding now. Um, it, it's, it's hard to pinpoint exactly, uh, but yeah, I mean, back, back to like the direction that things have gone though. Um, I think you, the MacBook air undeniable, the influence that Apple has, you look at notches on phones. Okay. And, and you know, tell me otherwise, everybody's got, and the then notch, the which, other... was, which was a compromise, but now everybody's got the notch. And you know, one thing on the MacBook air is that people don't remember that, but Intel made a special, uh, die package essentially for Apple, which they then extended to other Ultrabook makers, but Apple had an exclusive uh, right to that product when it first was released. Because that, that chip was a smaller die, if I'm not mistaken, on the original MacBook Air, I think. Um, you, I think you, you might know actually more than me, but it sounds like it might have been like the first 14 nanometer process or something like that. Yeah, there was something Maybe new like about it. Yeah. And the other thing, the other major disruption in the, um, you, know, you know, I'm sure that we're going to get to this soon, but is the, the kind of the whole tablet craze right and right they they crushed them you know they they smashed the market for a few years and then mm-hmm. uh, luckily in my opinion you know tablets have kind of um fell off a bit and right pc notebook sales are recovering right and so now mm-hmm. we're seeing the age of the of the no compromise um laptop right um and so i think you know a lot of what we've seen is absolutely the commodity if that's the word the commoditization yes of, that's what i call it <laughs> of these of these things because you know um it used to be the ibm you know uh thinkpad type of school of functionality um it used to be you know i, I can't you can't ignore that that the i mean you can't upgrade the cpu right cpus right. in notebooks used to be socketed in general right. you might not know that right um but you used to be able to uh, you know upgrade it and that's why laptops such as like the thinkpad t440p are super popular because you can put upgrade up to like a i7-4920, uh, you know, um, MQ in there, which is probably like 90% as fast as a 7700HQ today. Mm. Um, but, you know, you could upgrade the CPU and you upgrade the, um, you know, uh, the, the RAM, of course, and, and your storage. And now I, I wrote an editorial about this for Notebook Check, but I, I see stuff like the Surface Laptop, the Surface Book, uh, I mean, and, and the the Apple, um, you know, Apple's MacBooks. I see that as 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 a consumer, as well as someone who is kind of interested in this stuff professionally. I think it's horrifying. 
I mean, I, I would hate to see more and more manufacturers solder stuff down. Mm. Because, I mean, it's Everything, such... including the storage, and uh, you know, I've got I've got the little twelve inch MacBook that's driving some stuff here, and and it, it this thing is it's it, it's as much of an appliance as you can get if anything goes wrong. And and actually, that's one of the things about Lewis Rossman's site is he talks. It about will go stuff. wrong. You, you know, about the twelve inch MacBook problem, right? So yeah. soon enough. <laughs> yeah, and, and if and if and if it's not the motherboard, it's the keyboard. You know, these keyboards are horrible on these things. And at the same time, as a consumer, I like that portability. And you know, one of the things that I beautiful I've, pieces of engineering. It's amazing yeah. to run your hands. You can't argue. And like the little twelve-inch MacBook this is my travel device. Whenever I go into New York City or something, I don't take my big heavy macbook pro i take the little one because it weighs pretty much what an ipad weighs but i get the full computer that's really functional but i know uh that to some degree it's almost disposable it's going to die after some length of time and it's going to cost more to fix it than it will be to get a new one uh which i think apple has worked into their strategy i'm that's sure the genius of it it right? is it, it, it is oh, it's like, oh great now i get upgrades and what's funny, though, at the same time, I have a, um, a MacBook Pro from 2012, uh, which is, has been – this thing has been working 18 hours a day since I bought it because when I was working two jobs, it was doing the day job, and then I'd come home and do all the video editing on it. Uh, it's sitting over in the corner there. My, my assistant is doing editing on it all day long. Uh, this thing, the oh. fan is like blowing like a, <laughs> like a wind tunnel, and it just doesn't die because I keep saying to him, once this one dies, I'll get you a new one. And it just hasn't died yet. I'm waiting for him to throw it out the one window. One day when you're out, he's just going to yeah. pour water. <laughs> he's just going to pour water on it and uh, and toss it out. But but yeah, so we've gotten we've gotten down to this soldering down. We're seeing Lenovo even doing that on some of the uh, I think on the ThinkPads maybe a few of them are having soldered down RAM. Yeah, uh, um, storage is getting soldered down sorry, in some cases. X280 series. Yeah, is the one I just reviewed. The antithesis mm-hmm. of well, I think I, I commented this on on your video. It just seems to me. Like the okay, the X1 Carbon is the X1 Carbon, um, but the it's like the X280 series. It's like it's heavier. It's got a smaller screen, um, and you you know before the advantage was that you could upgrade the RAM, okay, and so you don't have to buy the SKU that you want. So you can upgrade all of that, and you have the um, you know the power bridge, which was which is awesome. That having the power bridge and in the laptops, but if you're not familiar or if your viewers aren't, the power bridge is where you've got one small internal battery, maybe 24 um, WHR, and then you've got, you know, uh, the regular uh, right. one that you put in the back, or you could get an extended one. Yeah, we got and, that and one in. We're actually working on it now. Yeah. Yep. And, and you can just hot swap them. And, and so right. those are, it's still in the T480, but mm-hmm. I believe not the T480S and not the T2, sorry, the, the X280. And it's just like, I, I really don't like the direction it's going in. And um, somebody was, I saw like an opinion article written where it's like, you know, the removal of the power bridge is a good thing because USB-C battery pack, you know, USB-C um, power packs, but it's not the same. It's like having, or it's like, you know, laptops charge faster now. So it's not an issue. It is an issue when people talk about their phones like, oh, you know, yeah, the battery life is terrible, but, you know, it charges real quick. And, like, yeah, right. it goes – in 15 minutes, it goes to 50%, right? And, and that, you're lugging around that, a five-pound battery to, to right. offset this thing, and suddenly that's like, a great thing, right? I I do I, – I will not buy any phone that does not last me, like, six hours of screen on time because I, I'm not – I don't have time to plug stuff in. People – a lot of people don't have time to plug stuff in. It is not an acceptable solution, and it does – you know, it's not good to carry on a battery. Um, so anyway, I mean, that's from my perspective, I don't, that, that I cannot endorse that direction. 
Right. And why do you think they're soldering things down? Because you know, even like the RAM and storage, is it, is it because it's cheaper for them to manufacture without having to have somebody stick a, 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 a RAM there, there stick? Are technical reasons. There are technical reasons that I went over in my um, in my op-ed for notebook check. Um, but, okay, so the benefits are, in, um, I believe, decreased power consumption. Um, and so basically it's like, yeah, um, there, it's uh, – for one reason or another, it requires a little less voltage. So that's, mm. you know, with Apple, who I think their, their terrorist battery designs, um, you know, they had a lot of issues and they couldn't get them in. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it makes sense for them to optimize the SSD, um, the power consumption and the RAM power consumption by any means necessary. So that's LPDDR3, um, that's soldering the joints in. Um, the other excuse, I would say, is that it's one less thing to fail because you, instead of having two points of connection, right, Right. Now you just have that that one. Uh, I don't really buy that because I've never had RAM. Um, I've never had the actual like uh, RAM socket go bad on me. Right. Uh, the RAM would somebody go, not the right. Right. Um, and then uh, yeah. So um, and then of course you can allow things to be thinner. Um, right. People I'm sure are split on that. Right. If you go to the Mac Rumors forums, you see people who are like, you know. Uh, you know, they'll be like, why couldn't they have just kept it thicker? Same with the XPS 15. Why couldn't you just, instead of making it taper, just make it thicker? Right. Uh, put in the GTX 1060. And then there are people that are like, well, I like the portability. You know, I like the design. You know, you, yeah, it's, a, it's certain- a tough thing. And I think what Apple looks at is, is it does it sell? And if it sells, and maybe they can even look and see that it's selling better than the old one did that was thicker. And that might be enough for some people that they look for that aesthetic versus the, the functionality. One of the things that I get into the arguments with my viewers about a lot is that, um, that, you know, because I look at a lot of inexpensive devices, when I have a more expensive one, people are like, why, why does this thing cost so much? I can get X in this $300 uh, device. And I think it comes down to that. It's the engineering that goes into it. It's very easy to make a plastic case for a laptop and throw the motherboard in without having to shrink anything uh, and get yeah. that performance. If you want it and you don't have a bad back, you know, have at it. Get the 18-pound laptop. You're going to be fine for 500 bucks. But I think there's people are paying for this light thin thing that they can they can toss in their briefcase or whatever so that might be driving some of it somebody asked asked um, me or they recommended that we write a um an article that's like you know um uh how to pick the right laptop for whatever and i was saying like okay um internally we said i mean that's a good idea for an article but if i'm writing it i'm just going to say buy a used x230 thinkpad off ebay Right, <laughs> because because that's what I tell everybody in in, uh, in reality. It's like, what do you need it for? If you right. need it for getting stuff done, spend two hundred bucks get an IPS X two X two thirty. There's for, it'll do everything you know that you do today normally as long as you're not playing games. Um, good battery life with the extended battery. It runs Windows ten. Great. It's totally expandable. You get SSDs. You get you know um, sixteen you know two RAM sockets in there. Why not? Yeah, support. <laughs> it, and, and you'll save yourself some money in the process. Where, where do you think things are going? Because we have, you know, a, a new, um, a, a new resurgence of of AMD. They're suddenly, com- you know, being competitive again, and not just in the big high end gaming desktop world where they uh, kind of, you know, reemerged from uh, not a dormant state, but they really weren't, you know, working to their full potential. In my opinion, now all of a sudden we're looking at what's that? 
I said Team Red because of my red. red. Oh, it's when you're AMD. I'm not affiliated. <laughs> right, got it. <laughs> um, but uh, but you know they, they really have have been pushing now to be more competitive against Intel, and and we're seeing them now popping up in low end devices on the way. There's mid range computers on the way, including mobile with their Ryzen chips going to mobile now. Uh, has that made yeah. an impact? Do you think in in what manufacturers are choosing to make their PCs from? Well, um, I, I think okay. I think that. Ryzen again. This is my personal opinion. Yeah, I think that Ra- Raven Ridge, which I, um, I believe we're talking about Raven Ridge, yeah, the code name for Ryzen Mobile, they've come a long way since Bristol Ridge because I wrote a comparison of Bristol Ridge laptops, and it's not just that the platform Bristol Ridge was ancient, um, which was like an evolution of Stony Ridge. Um, it's not just that it was ancient; it's just like that the manufacturers themselves were not putting the engineering and like quality components into these laptops. So it wasn't just that it was slow or buggy. It had a terrible screen and a mushy keyboard and gaps in the yeah, chassis and, right. and that kind of stuff, right? It's like the real budget, so, the budget line, right? Like, yeah. Yeah, and so it's like they're really not doing AMD any favors when they when they put they don't put, you know, engineering time. They're not they're not putting quality laptops together with them. I mean, I suppose it's understandable because again, AMD has always gone with the budget part of the market. Um, I think I think Mobile Ryzen Raven Ridge has done a great job of doing better, but there is still I don't believe they are as good as current Kaby Lake Refresh. Um, and with the next um, the eighth gen uh, quad core ultra ultra low voltage CPUs that have Iris graphics, I think that the last kind of advantage of the uh, AMD APUs in the mobile space will kind of be usurped. Um, so, so I, th- I think, you know, Ryzen was, mobile Ryzen was a good start, but I think they, they need to really, they need to keep going. They really have to keep going. They cannot afford to rest at all because really, honestly, they were looking at like a two, three year, possibly even more, um, you know, um, how would you say not a head start, the opposite of a head start. They, they right, were two, three years caught behind. Right, right. right. They, yeah, they caught Intel up to where released. Intel was maybe a couple of years ago, and now they're, they're, Intel's yeah, jumping yeah. ahead again. And then we got these weird so, hybrid chips, right? They're, they're putting AMD yes. graphics. So, so the GPP is something that I want to talk about as well. Mm-hmm. Um, sorry, of course, this is the um, the NVIDIA you know partnership. Um, what were they called? Yeah, the GeForce Partnership Program, which is kind of a hot topic. And uh, our lead uh, U.S. editor, Alan Aw, wrote um, a pretty good editorial, which is like, Where's all the KB Lake G laptops at? Um, and uh, yeah, I can send you the link uh, now if you like. Um, but it's, the K- uh, KB Lake G is, is is the chip that that incorporates the AMD graphics on the die. Is that is that right? Uh, yeah, that is correct. So the uh, KB Lake G is a 65 watt and 100 watt SKUs. The difference is they've got the same quad core CPU, which is it's basically a i7 7700 hq with a little bit more cash i believe um but uh they've got potentially so the 100 watt variant Mm -hmm. um has a gpu that's almost 1060 uh, geforce gtx 1060 quality Mm -hmm. i mean uh, performance and uh the 65 watt version so again that's about 45 watts for the cpu about 20 for the gpu those are just estimates of course because it's the tdp and we don't know the actual consumption um uh, that one, you know, performs with benchmarks around uh, a ten, right below a 1050 Ti with benchmarks, though. So the, 
a few things, right? The caveat with the KB Lake G is one that it seems that the that Nvidia, um, and again, this is our, you know, uh, I suppose my personal understanding, but also we've we've got independent confirmation that we based this recent uh, article on that confirms that basically the Nvidia GeForce partnership program is preventing um, preventing laptop makers from making laptops with these. Um, chips, which are, mm. you know, which is a shame because I think these are awesome, awesome chipsets. I would love to have, you know, that thin, that thin form factor with the excellent thermal, um, excellent thermal performance and power um, efficiency of KB Lake G. And right, we're not getting nice that with anybody. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, well, uh, they are buggy, right? AMD yep. products. So the issue is, you know, with, with actual games, some of them don't work, but hopefully, Driver driver updates will will get sort that out. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just that um, because Dell and HP, as far as we know, um, they openly said we're not doing the GeForce Partnership program. Mm-hmm. Um, and what is the GeForce Partnership program? Um, that's something that I think uh, probably the viewers should kind of research on their own okay. because <laughs> I I'm not familiar with, enough with it because I haven't done reading firsthand. So what I'm saying is, is all from secondhand sources and okay. reading about it. From my understanding is that NVIDIA rolled out this program saying we're going to work closer than ever with kind of um, with hardware, with OEMs um, in order to, uh, you know, be more transparent um, about stuff and help people, you know, help GPUs get into the hands of the consumer and whatnot and help optimize things. But it turned out to be basically, um, I believe, uh, what's his name? Hard OCP. Uh, the guy who runs Hard OCP, Kyle Bennett, mm-hmm. maybe, um, broke broke the story, and he was questioned initially at first, but he turned out like of many things, even about the KBLG, um, he turned out to be 100% right that uh, this partnership program, in fact, when when these companies signed on to it to get like exclusive access to Nvidia hardware, um, that they were they had to agree not to. Um, market or they, they, basically they have to they cannot have AMD Radeon um, graphics in that same type of product uh, um, okay. in, in that in that product name so this is a big thing and so um, what you'll see we were already seeing kind of a chilling effect of this with like Asus so Asus is the ROG line right right so but now ROG you'll you won't see anything with a radeon branding mm. um under republic of gamers it has to be under a new brand wow. because that that's due to the agreement with the right. nvidia GP. And, and it's it's a shame because it's like the people i know who work for nvidia they're they're all like really great wonderful people they've been very helpful um with us like giving helping me with contacts and, and information for writing articles but that kind of practice again it's like at the end of the day i'm a consumer and uh yeah. You know, yeah. That, no, it's it, it it's it you know it, it, it might you, you could you could make the argument it's it's anti-competitive to some degree. Um, oh, absolutely. And it, it is yeah. something that it's a cutthroat industry <laughs> where this stuff happens in, and and clearly they must see this AMD Intel partnership as a significant threat because although Nvidia's got great graphics, they don't have such great CPUs at least for PCs, and um, this pairing of Intel and AMD is something that I I'm sure they they felt threatened by. You know, speculation of course, but. But you'd have to imagine absolutely the, the timing here. Kyle, is Kyle Bennett. This is not my own idea, but Kyle Kyle brought up um, on the full nerd that uh, he thinks that it might also be aimed at kind of stifling Intel's progress. Um, 
look, taking a very long-term approach. Um, so it's not just about uh, maybe it might be about AMD right now, but they're they're looking you know to lock out for the long term. Um, hopefully that you know that doesn't happen. Hopefully they you know the reasonable folks at Nvidia right, <laughs> see right. the, you know see the light of day and uh, and they you know stop these kind of harmful practices to kind of you know it's technology it's innovation that pushes everything forward right oh yeah so exactly just, you know so, it's not helping us for sure no especially consumers that want some choices and and feel like you know this might have been an opportunity to finally get the kind of computer they want with those kb lake g processors and now you know this happens and it creates a, a tougher thing yeah. so let's let's um let's start wrapping up on on where we see the industry going over the next year so uh, on the high end yeah. i mean we're seeing all the eighth generation intel chips come out what should consumers expect maybe next year as these laptops you know, always change one year to the next any, any trends that you're seeing that uh, people should be thinking about uh, I mean, it's, it would have to be completely conjecture. Um, as, as we know, um, you know, Intel's uh, 10 nanometer FinFET process has been delayed again, you know, pushed pushed into some time in 2019, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, so I, down, I guess, right? That, that's... For sure. Um, I mean, um, I guess things to look to look for in the next year. I mean, definitely you're looking at um, probably, you know, a, a new kind of leap, a generational leap forward in, um, in graphics from the NVIDIA side. Um, I'd be very interested to see what happens with KPLG with this Intel AMD partnership and, and where, you know, the successor of that might be. Um, but, you know, it, 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 this could be a one-off thing, right? We could never, we could never see a revision and that would be terrible, you know, if it did happen. Um, I think, I think a lot of the, uh, it's kind of cheating or a cop-out maybe, but I think we'll wait, have to wait and see basically what Apple does with their chip selection. I think that they, they tend to have a fair amount of impact um, and not, you know, and, and not just in design, but also, you know, they're a major um, uh, purchaser, of course, of these type of special parts, you know, Intel's been known to make special stuff, you know, the, the Iris, the Mac Pros, they're, you know, in the past, they've always been waiting for the Iris GPUs. Right. So I'm, I'm very curious to see what happens this year, what kind of things they're putting out. Are we going to see KB Lake G in, in Mac Pros? I think for a lot of people, I mean, um, it, that would be an, an awesome, awesome uh, chip. Um, as far as far as like Hexacore, um, I think that, yeah, uh, the the overall trend. I mean, it's pretty obvious to say now, basically, because it's already happened. But ultra portables are going to be quad core, hyper threaded. Um, you know, it's the new dual core, and everything else is going to be uh, six thread, twelve core. And you know, I suppose the logical extension of that is you know eight thread, sixteen core Intel CPUs, not just you know Threadripper. Right. Um, and uh, you know, in terms of in terms of like design trends um well I, I would say one good trend that i liked is the bezels are going away if you remember back 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 in like old school thinkpads you look at like an x61 there's like no bezel there it's right it's like lap, computers computers went bezel like they went thin bezel mode you know like um I don't know eight, 18 years ago or so right. and then what happened um, and, <laughs> yeah. you know it's 16 16 by 9 happened 
What I would really um, hope to see is I hope I hope we get rid of. I mean, I hope that we kind of um, see more three by two aspect ratios. Mm-hmm. This is something that Frank Azor touched on in, uh, in the press conference for the um, new Dell releases that they're looking into three by two and other non sixteen by nine aspect ratios. Right. I've always found um, sixteen so, by nine to be very restrictive. That's why I, that's why I, I I get drawn to the Mac. I like just having more real estate for document editing and stuff. So that that's absolutely for writers especially. Maybe not so much for video yeah. editors, but for writers, it's it's important. And, and, and uh, these yeah. these arm things also, right? Like you know, we're like I was at CES. Lenovo had one. A few other folks. I mean, we're getting to the point where you can. It's no longer some subversion of Windows. You could actually get decent performance running a pretty feature complete version of windows on arm right is that something you see trending kind of so i mean again this is my opinion right so i wrote an editorial um basically that my my take is that version one or rather this initial version of a of you know arm on windows is doa mm-hmm. a little bit it's like i wouldn't buy one it's it it's like a typical very early kind of concept um i'm not sure it's for a very very specific use case people at a price point that isn't really worth it. Um, I think that if there's, if there's more chance to invest in it, you know, I mean, if, if Intel does, sorry, if Microsoft, uh, yeah, it's, you know, Microsoft and Qualcomm, right. Intel's not part of it much. No. Chagrin. And they'll um, be happy for it not to happen. <laughs> if, if they put, if they put effort into it and they allow it, to grow without killing it prematurely, like Microsoft tends to do, mm-hmm. like with my old Zune, right. um, then <laughs> then things could be, you know, that could be really interesting. And when I first saw this happen, in like the end of 2016, I believe, yeah. I was really excited. Mm-hmm. But then when the the true limitations came out, it was kind of the old, like I was getting the sense of deja vu. It's like, oh, Microsoft, like you've yeah. done it again. Done it again. It's, Where it's, it's, it's like, oh, it, and, yep. It's not quite baked, and mm-hmm. and I could see when people were showing these products, they were like, "Hey, check this out! This looks like a Windows 10 PC, but it's running on a Snapdragon 835." And they would say things like, "You know, and it and it it's pretty, you know, it, it does everything without without delay, and it seems and it runs okay." But you could see, well, like, oh, basically, no, it was very sluggish, or they like in Austin Evans, I remember not to call out call him out, but not that it matters if someone like me did, but it's like. <laughs> He, he had this one on display. They were like unboxing it and he, they literally didn't show anything except the desktop. There is no right, anything yeah, being shown. Right. And it's like, I, I know, I know what the performance of those things is like. So I think they're a curiosity. I wouldn't, as somebody who um, compulsively buys shiny things, um, <laughs> like, like a magpie. It's, it's not shiny uh, enough for you to buy. I, I wouldn't waste money on it in this iteration because it doesn't. All right. What do, you, what do you get for your for your money? Okay, you you get the the value proposition is Bad. mobile internet, mm-hmm. right? So so it's mobile internet, which you can get most in you know in a lot of laptops now. You can, right. you can get that um, or a hotspot. Okay, so I would say that's not the major thing. So the major thing is supposed to be the battery life, but these things, all right, you're getting like fifteen maybe eighteen hours of battery life. But we're we're getting to the point where let's say you have an XPS thirteen, the FHD. Right, you're gonna be getting 13 hours of battery life, you know, if if you right. trim things you down it. as it yeah. is. Yeah. yeah, or you know, you, you take like an X270, a ThinkPad X270 with an extended battery. Right. I mean, it, and how it's, long do you have to be awake probably, for? Right. <laughs> you can plug it exactly. In. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you know, you're looking at 18, 20 hours there, and these things are 
che well, cheaper in, in some cases, but like faster by orders of magnitude. And right. so, and they have the performance. You, know, it's, it's like, you don't need the power because this power savings. You could you can run it full full right. core and get desktop performance to some degree. So yeah, right. yeah. So so I I just don't see for me there's like there what's where's the value proposition? I don't see it at all. Mm. Um, if they if they improve on it, you know, and or maybe it goes the other way, and you know, Microsoft Andromeda kind of gives us like you know Windows. It gives us the kind of thing. Or maybe using an x86 chipset you know who knows what's going to happen with that right um but you know in the future i think that you know the convergence of, of these type of things of you know one windows os would be you know would be great but microsoft they they seem pretty incoherent with their with their vision a lot of times you know right they they start, out they'll start projects the, yeah, yeah they'll, you know they'll see what sticks, ready and even and... it does stick Windows Media Center is a great example. <laughs> Windows Media Center yeah. was great. It worked, and then it was that was it. They and, don't and give then, things their stake. And then, and the last topic is the low end, which is my favorite uh, topic to discuss. And um, clearly, we've got some really great two hundred dollar laptops out there, at least for the price point. I've been playing around with the new Gemini Lake Nux, and those chips are incredibly well-performing, although they need active cooling to really get their full potential. Um, we haven't seen a lot of new $200 laptops. It looks like they kind of skipped over Apollo Lake uh, to some degree. The Brasswell ones are still out there from HP and others. It, it, there's, there's not a lot of money in these $200 computers for manufacturers. It's mostly the, the Chinese OEMs who are doing that, right? So right. you look at like tech tablets are using, you got the Jumper Easy Books and yeah, right, that kind right, of stuff. Right. But I mean, if, if, if no you, support. you've used them, right? <laughs> you, you've used them. It, it feels like a $200. Yeah. They look nice wow. in the picture on Gearbest, but when you get them, it's like, eh, you know, we, we, we found some with like manufacturing defects. And a lot of times it's just like, just ship it and, uh, and go from there. I mean, HP actually has the HP Stream 11, which has been out there for a while. I still see it at my local Walmart. They haven't revved the hardware yet on that to the new, the newer chips. But um, I, I, it looks like the big manufacturers are kind of stepping away from the cheap stuff. Is that fair to say? Yeah, because the the money, the profit margin, it's just like phones. Yeah, the profit right. margins are all in the flagships. And uh, if I remember from the uh, analytics report I read like last year, it's like um, gaming notebooks overall, and then um, it's high margin notebooks for like the European market. So that's mm -hmm. where that's where they get a much higher profit margin. Companies are not making that much off the budget stuff at all right and um, they got to support so, it too right so there's a whole it's a shiny the yeah. shiny soldered you know high end right um that's it for, for sure and so companies are gonna it's a kind of a tough market they're gonna you know and there's not that much money to be had in volume anymore right um, so i'm gonna be be tricky um you, you mentioned that gemini lake was was uh pretty pretty quick i myself i've got a knock driving my um uh, media center and my my uh, dj decks over here um, how, how does it fare to like the old, like seventh gen, uh, ULD CPUs? So it's, it, I would say that even with the Apollo Lake, I found that it, it was pretty favorable to, um, uh, the, the fourth generation, uh, Celeron U processor. And these are probably, okay. I would say maybe 20, 25% fast, depending on what you're doing with it. Um, the CPU seems like it's significantly faster, especially in the quad core variant. I got the J5005 NUC, and 
Um, I, I have been really impressed with it. Uh, we ran it as a Plex server. We did a test where we were doing a, a active transcoding of HEVC, MPEG-2, and MPEG-4 at the same time. And uh, on the quad-core, we still had about 70, we're only using about 70% of the total CPU utilization. So oh, they're, they're great. They're, they're great to have, like, your value yeah. space. And so I think, you know, to get that into a laptop, the problem is, is that, you know, to get that kind of performance, you've got to put a fan on it, which adds, you know, cost and expense for a cheap computer. But um, it's been, sure. I've been seeing greater performance gains on the low end <laughs> than I've seen on the high end. Um, right. And, yeah. But, but people don't pay too much attention to that. Right. I mean, no, uh, they don't. basically it's the, the Gemini Lake is usually like a footnote and you might see people like Brad Linder at Billy Butin cover it briefly mm-hmm. and certainly we'll, we'll write about it. But, um, you know, it's like consumers, they, they don't market these things and consumers no. have probably never even heard of them. It's like, what? There's... <laughs> Pentium's around still? There's a Pentium? Right, and I'll tell you what, for a lot of people, and this is, I think, the the danger that they have in making these things so good, is that for a lot of people, you could spend, you know, net 300 bucks on a NUC with RAM, you know, Linux, and a a hard drive, uh, and you've got yourself a computer that is... It is incredibly responsive for the types of things that a general computing use would would require, um, and and it in many ways feels just as quick to me as a as a decent i three or an i five processor. Granted, when you start going into the benchmarks and running you know a gazillion yeah. tests on it, you start to see the disparities. But I think for a lot of consumers, it's fine. And what was interesting is that Intel. Uh, initially advertised the NUX as having uh, support for HDR10 for, for media playback. Uh, and then they, they, they had it in the marketing materials before launch. When it did launch, it suddenly didn't have it anymore. Um, and I think they're concerned mm. about you know, that these little chips are getting so good that they could cannibalize the higher margin uh, you know, main core processors. So I'm, I'm eager to see what, what people do with these. It's really what, what, what the game has always been, right? It's always mm-hmm. been about binning stuff and creating artificial ceilings, right, where there wouldn't necessarily have to. I mean, back in the day, Celerons used to be, like, the best chips for overclocking. Right. You know, I remember you, that. I remember that. The uh, you know, and that you pe- get for 200 Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, like, people would get them up to insane speeds. And um, maybe that's also why that, uh, you know, there's not so much fanfare about these kind of chips, maybe because, uh, you know, like, they know that they don't want to, Chunk these things up is like, hey, look, it's as fast as an i5, you know, um, what is it, 5500U, right? right? Exactly. So I was like, oh, okay. So I that's all I need. A third of that? <laughs> yeah, a third of what I would do right. elsewhere? So it's, it's exactly it. Yeah. So, well, you know what? We've, we've been uh, going on here for about an hour and change, so I think we might have to come back and talk about this stuff again sometime because all right. I, I, I would, I would. I know viewers are really into this stuff, and I'm sure a lot of people who watch my channel watch, look at your sites, and I send people there too because when they start getting into the weeds on stuff, I'm like, I am not your guy, but I got just the place <laughs> for you to go for uh, all the information. Sure. So where can people sure. find you? It's on notebookcheck.net and ultrabookreview.com. Any other places you'd like to direct people to? Um, yeah, those are probably the, the best places to represent me. I'm trying to wean myself off Facebook. <laughs> um, you, you know, you can find me on LinkedIn, but really I'm just posting articles from, um, from Ultrabook Review. So, um, yeah, please, please do, uh, you know, go over to Ultrabook Review and, uh, we're, we're kind of relaunching the site, Andre and I, with a, with a focus on news and, um, kind of more analysis based kind of like buyer's advice. Um, and, uh, it's, it's really like where I would like to kind of give people the whole big picture 
of a product? You know, how, how are the bugs? Is it worth buying for its price? Um, how's the tech support, you know, for fixing the problems that came with the brand new unit that I bought my own money, that kind of stuff. Um, you know, numbers can't tell everything. And, and so I think the narr- from, from a narrative perspective, I, I hope people um, will enjoy reading that. I am sure they will, as I do already. So I will uh, make sure I get everybody directed over to that site. And I want to thank you again for taking the time. And I know it's getting late there, so uh, hopefully I didn't keep you up too late tonight. Um, and uh, we'll, we'll have you back on again sometime. Yeah, that'll be wonderful. Um, thanks for having me, Mom. Great. Thank you. And uh, let me know, everybody, what you thought of our second podcast of the channel here. We're going to be doing these once a month. Again, long form. Uh, You can get these in audio format if you prefer to listen to it in audio, hence the different microphone that I'm using for uh, this uh, video today. So you can find that on just about every major podcatching application that's out there. If I am not somewhere I need to be, uh, let me know down in the comments, and I will make sure my feed uh, gets delivered there. So until next time, this is Lon Seibin. Thanks for watching and listening. This channel is brought to you by the Lon.TV supporters, including gold-level supporters of the Black Eyed and Blues Music Hour podcast, Chris Allegretta, and Kalyan Kumar. If you want to help the channel, you can by contributing as little as a dollar a month. Head over to lon.tv slash support to learn more. And don't forget to subscribe. Visit lon.tv slash s.